0: have you guys ever heard of Easter Island? Anybody know what Easter Island is? You ever seen what Easter Island is famous for? Those heads that are all over the island? Easter Island is is hundreds and hundreds of miles off the coast of South America and hundreds and hundreds of miles south of Hawaii. It's just way out there all by itself. It's just one of those little islands and you're like, how does that even exist? And people just discovered it um, generations ago and they took their time to build these giant, massive heads, and they carved them, and people still, they don't know, how'd they move them around, and, and what were the people exactly trying to do by making them, and it's just this mystery. Oh, i growing up in school, and I don't know if your school taught you the same or different, but I grew up, and it's just like, they're just heads, and it was a great mystery of why are they just, what's the deal? Why didn't they make bodies? What's the deal with these Faces just sticking out of the ground. You guys have seen pictures. If you don't know what I'm talking about, there they are. And you can see that guy in the bottom right for perspective. I mean, they're massive. They're gigantic. And they're just kind of like there, right? Next picture. Um, There's just these amazing giant things. And it's like, what's the deal? And we like to make fun of them because we don't really understand them. Next picture, maybe you've seen some of these tchotchke items for sale, but you can put your pens and your pencils inside of a Easter egg island head kind of deal. You got chia pets, you got t-shirts, you got stuff that correlates with the Easter season. They have nothing to do with Easter, but there they are. And I grew up and in my school. I remember clearly like nobody knows why they're just heads. In talking about this, I was talking to Brooke, and she's like, yeah, I mean, at college, like just a few years ago, uh, we studied in art history about these things, and nobody understands why they're just heads. And then a few years ago, they made a discovery, which I just saw last August, and I'm like, what? Check this out. The dramatic music makes it more effective, right? But who knew, right? I had no idea, and much of the world, people that lived on the island didn't even know that these massive heads They had full bodies. There was so much more there than met the eye. And it's just, it's ridiculous to me. Like, were they lazy? Were they just watching football? Like, nobody ever thought to go and just dig and be like, oh, look, there's a neck and a head, and there's that belly on that one, right? But there was just so much more just just below the surface, but nobody knew it was there. I mean, these things, they say they date back to 1250 AD. They weigh 80 tons. Um, they were made by these people called the Rapa Nui, and there's just this great mystery. I mean, they're this close to being one of the great wonders of the world, and they're like, they're, why, why heads? Well, they're not. There's, there's more there than meets the eye. And I remember reading this article last year and seeing this profoundly provocative, mysteriously music video, and I was like, what? But I was like, this is a really great illustration of every one of you in this room, of me. I saw this, and I was like, I'm going to use this in a sermon, and today's the day. Because this is what I think of when I look at you guys. People look at you in your life, in your house, at your school, and they're just like, that's all there is to it. That's all there is to you. You're just, you're just this. And there is so much more to every single one of you in this room than meets the eye. And if you wanna discover that this year, and you're all gonna have opportunities this year, you just need to let the Lord, let your circumstances dig down a little deep and let's see what's in the heart Let's see, let's see what makes up you as a person. There's more to you than even you understand um, this year is a brand new year. Many of you are going to brand new schools. At the very least, you're going to be in brand new environments with your classes and your schedules. Some of you are moving away. Some of you are going to college. Um, some of you are in transit. You're not exactly sure, but this year is brand new and it's going to have brand new challenges. It's going to have brand new hardships. It's going to have brand new celebrations. And how are you going to experience those things? How are you going to walk through them? Um, This year is going to present opportunities to reveal what's really in you. And the way that those things are going to be revealed is um, life is going to dig into you a little bit this year. Your circumstances are going to grind up against those spots that you thought you've been successfully hiding. And you might come up to a situation this year, in fact you will, maybe even today where you're going to be tempted to do the right thing or the wrong thing. You're gonna have a question before you. Um, should I give in to temptation or should I resist? You're gonna have an opportunity to stand up and speak out for what you believe in or be quiet and timid. Um, life is gonna happen this year. How are you gonna respond? What is going to shine in you and through you? Some, someone you know this year may die. Has anybody experienced a death in the last six months in their family or amongst their friends? Why does that happen? Man, that's that's brutal. How do you, what do you say? Does anybody know anybody with cancer right now? I'm sure most of you do. I'm sure many of you don't don't even know it. That's horrible. Like, how do you reconcile that? How do you deal with that? I don't understand God. Why do bad things happen to good people? Those kind of questions are going to come right up to you this year, maybe next year, maybe 10 years from now. But when it does... Are you going to seize that opportunity to let good come up or are you going to hide? Are you going to pretend? Are you going to do what I do and just put on a mask of like, oh, everything's fine? Um, When I was your age, specifically my high school years, when I was 15, 16, I started to realize that in my house, something didn't smell right. Something wasn't the way it had been. And I started to realize my parents don't love each other anymore. Uh, my parents separated from each other while I was in high school. They didn't move out. They just stopped talking. They, they weren't even friends anymore. They weren't even cordial. And they were pretending, especially my mom, that everything was all right. And I hated that. Like, I, I hate pretending, probably because I'm such a pretender. But I hated that that lie was being perpetuated in my house, that everything's fine. And my dad and my mom had just fallen out of love somewhere along the way and they didn't have a relationship with Jesus. They didn't have the Bible to lead them. They didn't have a church community to guide them. And so they handled it the best they knew how. And for my mom, it was stress eating. And in a year, my mom gained like 60, 70 pounds. My dad, it was turning to the sins of his youth, which was drinking and he started drinking again on the weekends and then at nights. And the next thing you know, my dad was just hardcore getting drunk every single night. And I was just caught in the middle and I was so angry and I was so upset I was so confused. And I'm like, well, if they're checking out, I'm checking out. I mean, they're not even paying attention to what I'm doing. And whereas just one year, one semester before, I'd been a great student, eh, it was an okay student. I'd been going to school, at least. I hung out with good friends, even though they might not have been church friends or believing friends. And then when this all started to go down, I just rebelled with everything in me. I was really rebelling against just life, against this. And rather than let that challenge, that circumstance be an opportunity for me to stand up and really be a man, I hid. I started drinking and I started taking drugs and I started having a lot of fun. And everybody's like, God, Justin's a blast. I was really hiding from reality, was hiding from my life, because I couldn't handle it. And over the course of a year or two of this sham marriage that my parents were pretending to have, and me just getting deeper and deeper into drugs and alcohol, and then selling drugs, and just all kinds of bad behavior, uh, my dad's alcoholism overtook him, and he lost his entire business. My parents, my family, helped found this community. We were one of the first 300 families in the Woodlands. If you go to the old bank buildings, if you go to the Interfaith Center, which is one of the first faith-based organization, organizations in the community, my parents, my family's names are on plaques in those buildings as people that helped get those started and sit on boards. My mom helped discover, found, just breathe life into the volunteer program that's still going strong today at the Woodlands Methodist Hospital. Uh, my father was on every board of every bank in town, and it was just gone Overnight. Um, It was a really tough season to be in Ulmer. And I just lost myself in drugs and alcohol. My sister held it together, but not from a place of faith, but a place of just accomplishment. She's super smart and hardworking. And as soon as she turned 18, as soon as school let out, she moved to AM and never looked back. That was her way of coping with it. It was just brutal. And I'm sad and ashamed to say, but I see God's hand in it now, years later that I did not let the best of me come out. And I had no relationship with Jesus to ask for him to help the best of me come out. The worst of me came out because I didn't have that relationship. And I just went deeper and deeper into my hole. I had nobody in my life that I felt cared about me and I had nothing to show for it. When I finished high school, I hadn't even thought about a college, so I just went and worked at a restaurant and I barely made rent and I hung out with just the dregs, just folks that really didn't help me do anything good with my life. But what I didn't know, that all those circumstances that I saw as a curse, that I saw as just like my lot, those, each of them, were an opportunity for me to stand up and ask God for help, stand up and be the man God created me to be. It was during the darkest time of that season that I had a dream that I now feel was from the Lord, where in the dream I saw myself, a future version of myself that was strong and upstanding and kind of Superman pose, and I was like, oh my God, I wanna be that guy. And I didn't even know what it, how to approach it, but God was even in my dreams without a relationship saying, there's more here, Justin, there's more to you than meets the eye. All those tough things that I walk through, all the tough things that you are walking through right now, I know that there's some of you in here that are wrecked, that are living a lie, that are so burdened by the shame and guilt of your sin that you're like, I don't even know if I should be sitting here right now in church. You are better than you think you are. You are closer to freedom than you realize. God has never once looked at you and said, oh man, this guy. He's looking at you today saying, I love you, I'm proud of you, there's more to you than you realize. The things that we see in life as hardships that we are so good at running from are the things that God says, run to that, run through that. You will discover something about who I am and who I made you to be. If you need evidence, you can look at Romans chapter five and many other places in the scripture. But Romans five, one through five says this. When we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege, We stand here confidently and joyfully and look forward to sharing God's glory. And we can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials. Is that your attitude with whatever problem, trial, temptation you're experiencing right now? Do you rejoice or do you do what I did? Run, hide, duck and cover, get high and wait for it to pass. We can rejoice when our trials, our temptations, our tribulations come because we know that they help us. Those hard things in your life are there to help you. There's a lesson to be learned. And again, at the foundation, at least who God is and who he made you to be. They help us develop endurance. Endurance helps us develop strength of character. Character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will never lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. Breaking that all down, what has Jesus done for us? He laid down his life. For every one of you in this room, he laid it down for me. He laid it down. He allowed himself to be killed on the cross in order to rescue us from sin. Who sinned this summer? Anybody? There's like seven of you. There's a few more. All of you. Man, I have sinned today, right? We're barely into it. It's Sunday. I'm at church. Totally sinned. My thoughts come on, get it together. I've sinned today. And you probably have too. And Jesus has come to rescue us from sin because sin demands a price. It demands a penalty. It was one little sin, this fib from Adam and Eve, boom, separated from God because he's holy. We are sinners and we need the rescue that Jesus provided by laying his life down. By reuniting us with God, he did so much for us on that cross. We, we don't even know. Now, why do we need that rescue? Why do we need a savior? Because life kicks us in the teeth. Life kicks our butts. I can't handle what life has to throw my way. I can't handle it. I can't take it. I need rescue. I need a savior. I couldn't stop drinking once I started to save my life. I literally couldn't. I would leave work and I'd be like, I'm not drinking today. And like on autopilot, I would just find myself walking in to a convenience store and buying beer. I could not stop. Do you have something in your life like that? I just, I can't stop. I just cannot stop. I bet you do. We need rescue because life kicks our butts. Temptation is too strong for us. We have a spiritual enemy that is, he's been watching us since birth. He knows every one of your weaknesses. He knows all your triggers and he is pushing you to temptation. And when you give in, he's the first one to say, you suck. You think it's God that's ashamed of you when you sin? You think that's his voice saying, you are terrible for doing that. It was the guy who led you into that moment that's making fun of you and making you feel ashamed and guilty. It's the enemy. I can't handle that, but he handled it for me. He rescued us and he rescued us because we needed it. My mom and dad are still alive. I don't know how my dad is still alive. His alcoholism has him so well, like... I don't recognize him. He don't recognize him physically. don't recognize his voice on the phone. And it's a matter of days or months, I don't even know, before he passes on. And even then, when he dies, although I've reconciled my relationship with him to Jesus, I don't know how I'm going to handle it apart from Jesus help me. My mom will pass away someday, and then I will be parentless, and I don't know how to handle it apart from Jesus help me. What do you have in your life that you've lost, that you're disappointed in? Man, look To Jesus, ask for help. I don't know how you do it otherwise. We need rescue. If for no other reason, it's because every single one of us in this room, we are just borrowed dirt up in here today. God breathed life into my body with his spirit when I was born, but when my spirit is gone, I'm either going to heaven or hell, black or white. And when I do, my body is just gonna, just, you know, it's just done. There's no more Justin in there. Don't worry about my body after I die. It's just meat, like just move it away because it's going to get stinky. Every single one of us, there's no exemptions. Everyone in this room, if you have nothing else in common, it's this, you're going to die and you need rescue. And God made a way for you to be rescued. And you can do that. You can receive that rescue by placing your faith in Jesus. It says faith, not your understanding, not your I get all of this, your faith. Just say Jesus I don't understand it all, but I believe what you say. I believe you are who you are. I believe that I need rescue. I believe that I need a savior. Will you save me? It's that simple. Pray that. Receive that. He'll rescue you today. If you've never prayed something along those lines Jesus, I need a Savior. Jesus, I can't handle my family. Will you give me wisdom? Like just pray. He answers prayer, He loves to respond to our prayers. And then from that moment on, you just lock eyes with Jesus. You do your best. Don't be perfect, you can't be, but do your best to just fix your eyes on the cross and walk through trials, troubles, tribulations. And just know, I have faith that Jesus will help me. I have faith that even if I mess up and die, I'm going somewhere good because Jesus rescues. And when you walk through trials and temptations with your eyes on Jesus, instead of the worst coming out of you, there's opportunities for the best to come out of you. There's opportunities for God's good to come up and out of you. Awesome things come out of us when we walk through trials and tribulations with our eyes fixed on Jesus, with our eyes buried in this book saying, okay, there's, I know there's wisdom in here somewhere. Instead of weakness, we find that we're strong. Instead of hate, we find that we're able to love. Instead of holding grudges, we find the power to forgive. Instead of de- feeling defeated all the time, we find we have hope. And instead of just walking around depressed, we find, man, I, I can rejoice in troubles and tri- trials. I wonder what some of your troubles and trials are. I know a lot of them, but I don't know all of them. I know that some of you guys are probably dealing with stuff that I I literally can't comprehend. As a 41 or two, I forget how old I am. You're old, man. There are things that you have experienced in life that I can't even grasp at. And I wonder, are you trying to handle that yourself? Are you trying to hide that yourself? Are you trying to tamp down that pain by yourself? Dear God, please let it go. Ask for help. It's why he died for you. So what do we need in those moments of trial and tribulation and challenge to help us get through and help us dig down deep and find out, man, there's more to me than I realized. We need strength. And where do we get that strength in the Christian life? We get it from just burying ourselves in these words, believing these words, burying ourselves in faith in Jesus, and believing what Jesus has to say about us, and believing in ourselves. I wonder if I asked like absolutely, candidly, honestly, like raise your hand as high as it'll go. If you just believe the absolute best about yourself, could even one of us raise our hand? And yet in the name of Jesus, we should all be able to raise our hand. Faith is what we need. Faith that God uses the tough moments of life to reveal to us what he knows has been there all along. You are all compassionate people. You have compassion in you greater than you can imagine. Every single one of you in this room are able to endure so much more that you think you can. You are. You have it in you. Every one of you has more self-confidence than you've ever even grasped at. You have more strength. There's more strength of character. There's enough strength of character in this room to change the entire world. I believe that wholeheartedly. We wouldn't need any more than you here now if we could believe in ourselves, if we could believe what he says about us. We just need faith. And what is faith? Hebrews 11. Man, if you want to read a chapter of the Bible this semester and just sit in it, read Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 says this, faith shows the reality of what we hope for, and it is the evidence of things that we can't see, And through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. What's your reality? Here's the reality. None of you in this room are weak, you're strong. No one in this room is a coward, you are courageous. You are not just kids. You're more than conquerors in the eyes of God. Do you know that about yourself? I am more than a conqueror. What does that mean? Nothing can come against me that I can't not just conquer and overcome, but more than conquer and overcome. That is who you are in the eyes of your Father God. There are 66 books in this book called the Bible. 66 books, and every single one of them was not just written to us, is not just written for us. These books were written about us. You look at the faith of the people of days old, that's not look what they did, that's look what you can do. Stories of simple, unremarkable people. David, the short, scrawny runt in his family that his dad didn't even remember, to mention when he said, show me all your sons. Oh, well, you don't want him. He's out, you know, with the chickens. And the goats, that's who David was, and he was the greatest. That's you. You you think of yourself that way? That's not how God thinks of you. Stories of simple and unremarkable people placed in extraordinary circumstances like the death of a family member, a horrible prognosis, literally a math test that you can't even begin to understand how you're going to get through, because that's me, math. You guys when we're placed in those challenges, when you come up against that tough situation this year, when you're in it, just remember, believe, have faith that God said, I can get you through. What if this year, I'm gonna read some passages to you, just rapid fire. If one speaks to you, man, just grab it, write it down. But what if this year, if you walk through a tough situation that is like, this is more than I can handle, you remember this verse and you live it. You own it. You're like, I am leaning on that. What if this year, when you're walking through your tough circumstance, you remember Philippians 4, 13, that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What if you come up against a situation, you're like, I can't do it. But you remember that it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I think you're going to be able to do a little more than you think. What if this year you're in a situation that you can't handle, that you, can't, you don't even know where to start, and you remember Matthew 17 that says this, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, and if I was holding a mustard seed right now, you wouldn't be able to see it. That's how small it is. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move, and it'll move. Move. That's who God says you are. That's how he sees you. All we need is faith this big. You all have faith this big right now. I mean, you're here. You can say to the mountains in your life, move, and Jesus will be like, hey, let's help that guy out right now. What if this year... When you are afraid, when you are feeling bashful, shy, timid, you remember 2 Timothy 1.7 that says this about you. God did not give you a spirit of fear or timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and self-correction. You are all filled with power and love and self-correction, self-discipline. You don't need me to tell you right from wrong. You know right from wrong, self-correct. You have what you need to be the best that you can be. I love this one just because it's epic. It's incredible. It's the future. I don't even fully understand it, but it says in 1 Corinthians 6, don't you realize that someday we believers will judge the world? In times, Antichrist, now we're in heaven, and the Bible says, don't you realize that someday we believers will judge the world? And since you are going to judge the world, can you not overcome these little arguments among yourselves? And it goes on, don't you realize that we will judge angels? We in this room, the faithful, the believers in Jesus, will be in heaven and we will judge angels. What does that even look like? That's incredible. That's awesome. How can I know that about myself in the future and not just walk through this tough, gossipy, stupid situation? Or Hebrews chapter 11, 32 through 35. The hall of faith's heroes, this is called. How much more do I need to say it would take too long to recount all of the stories of the faith? Of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice, and they received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, they quenched the flames of fire, and they escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength, and they became strong in battle. And they put entire armies to uh, flight. And women received their loved ones back again from death. Again, these stories are not, look what they did. These stories, that paragraph is God to you this morning saying, look what you can do today. I am loud this morning. Think about those Easter Island heads again. Show me the picture of the side-by-side. They dug these suckers up, and they were like, "We didn't even know there's bodies, but li-. they didn't even know they were had writing on them. It was preserved deep in the earth. They're covered in this ancient, mysterious writing. And then in discovering that, they realized, oh, they, something we're not entirely sure about everything, but they built these things to emulate their ancestors. They built them to look like their ancestors. And I guess they were all like blocky-headed weirdos. but They discovered they're covered with special writing and they made them to look like their ancestors. You you guys, the same exact thing is true for you and me. God has called us to saturate our minds and our hearts with special writing, with the truth of the gospel. We're supposed to cover ourselves with it. We're supposed to write it on our doorposts and some of us on our arms and stuff. I'm not advocating it, but I think it's kind of cool. We're supposed to cover ourselves with God's word and we're supposed to emulate the faith of our ancestors. What did our ancestors do that was just so bananas and bonkers and crazy and we're like, oh, I could never do that? Well, let's break it down line by line. They overthrew kingdoms. We all have a kingdom to overthrow and we have the power to do it. There is a kingdom of selfishness that we were born into in this country that needs to be overthrown before it destroys us. Show me my first slide of the debt This figure is two years old, but this is the national debt of your home, the United States of America. This is what we owe to other people. This is what we have spent that we don't even have, $19 trillion, which means that those of you that aren't yet turn 18, you automatically owe the government $58,000. And this number is old. It's up to $21 trillion. We are paying, we are accumulating debt. We are paying for things that we cannot afford. That is called selfishness. That is called pride. That is It's called just arrogance, and it's a kingdom that we need to overthrow. Not America. Selfishness and taking things that we can't afford and don't belong to us. This is a problem. This is what happens when they call and say, you owe us. What do we do? I'll tell you what. History says war. I don't want that. We can do something about it. Let's stop being selfish. Let's stop spending things that we don't have says they ruled with justice. You guys, our justice system in America, our justice system at church needs an overhaul. It needs righteousness. We need to stop saying, okay, this innocent guy, send him to jail. All right, this guilty girl, let her go. We got to stop doing that. We are supposed to be the people that speak the truth and love and say, that's black, that's white. This is right. This is wrong. This example is just goof. It's just laughable, but O.J. Simpson, our American justice system, declared him innocent, right? The evidence against him was ridiculous, but they said he was innocent to avoid some trouble. Within a couple of years, he wrote a book and said, oh, by the way, I totally did it. Just mocked the justice system. I watched a 10-part series about this, and as I'm watching it, I'm like, this is the collapse of justice in our country. It's like the story was better, if he was innocent. And that's what's sold. They just ignored the facts. You guys, we need to rule with justice. We need to say what's right and what's wrong. Not for the sake of justice, for the sake of love, compassion, love for the truth. It says our ancestors received what God had promised them. Every single one of us in this room, if we're not the actual person, know a person that needs to receive the freedom and the life and the identity that God has promised. The purpose this is an article just a couple months old. It says, Montgomery County, suicide attempt rate among the highest in Texas. Do you know that the headline alone is a lie? It's not among the highest. It is the highest. With suicide attempts in Montgomery County in 2016, the highest in the entire state of Texas, and they did not publish how many attempts there were. There's too many. It's too embarrassing. They're doing what I did in high school. They're hiding it. You, every one of you, I bet, knows somebody who's taken their life in the last couple of years. Your age people, and do you know why they're taking their life? Because they have no idea that they have something to receive from Jesus Christ, that they have hope, that they have good available to them. You know people that need to hear, that need to be prayed for. There is hope for you. This is shameful. It says they shut the mouths of lions. You guys, I don't even like getting on social media anymore. I hardly like going to H-E-B anymore. Everybody's just yelling at each other. This is what our country, and our society feels like. It's just nobody wants to listen. They're just screaming at each other. Let's be people that fix that. Let's be listeners. Let's stop hollering at each other and ignoring people. And just because they disagree, let's stop looking at them like they're just idiots. Like let's become a people that engage in dialogue, that love people enough to say, what do you want to say to me? You guys have the power to shut the mouths of lions. Maybe the mouth of the lion you need to shut is your own. That's the case with me sometimes. It says they quenched the flames of fire. And you guys, there is a fire burning in our country right now that is as bad as it's been since the 60s. Look at this, this image is a week old and you got this guy draped in the rebel flag and just people preaching this gospel of hate and ignorance and bigotry and I don't know if you paid attention to the news this weekend, but it is on. It's bad out there. The Ku Klux Klan and neo-Nazis gathered together in Charlotte, North Carolina, and they held a demonstration where they're just preaching just hate and not understanding each other, and like, you're wrong and we're right, and then these other people got upset, and so they they went to demonstrate against them, and I'm not saying they're right or wrong, but it was just fire with fire, and somebody decided to get in a car and just drive through the crowd, ran over. A dozen or more people, a lady lost her life, 20 plus people in the hospital, you guys, there's a fire burning. and who, Who's going to fix it? But God's looking at us. He's not looking at your parents or mine. He's not looking at the fifth graders. He's looking at you. Teenagers change the world. You guys, let's stand up and do something. Let's love people. Speak the truth in love. This is unacceptable. This is not the way to do it. Let's pray for these people that I'm sure are going to gather again in a week in Charlotte. Let's pray that they would just change their minds about how they see themselves because that man and that flag that's not his identity but he thinks it is his identity is the son of God and the lady yelling at him that's not her enemy that's her brother in Jesus Christ we need to change the way we think about each other it says they escaped death by the edge of the sword do you know that we are living in the greatest refugee crisis that our planet has seen in generations I just typed in refugees and this picture came up and I just started crying looking at it yesterday on the couch. I mean, look, look at those people. Look at that baby. What are we doing? We have authority, we have influence. You have people that will care if you stand up and speak for what's right. Like, let's stand up and speak for what's right. We have an opportunity here to change things. Go on a mission trip, support an organization. Write your Congress, I don't care what it is, but let's do something. It says that their weakness was turned to strength. You guys, I've been your pastor for a decade, for four years your lead pastor. I know that one of the greatest weaknesses in this room right this minute is this, this pornography. And the problems that come out of us being addicted to pornography, and I was when, you, when I was your age, You can't concentrate well. Anybody not being able to concentrate well right now? Do you have this problem? Because there's your answer, that's why it's happening. Low motivation, depression, social anxiety, and a negative self-perception. Pornography destroys how you think of other people, opposite sex, and yourself. It is so much more dangerous than we realize. Oh, I'm just alone in my room, it's not hurting anybody. Oh, it's hurting somebody, it's hurting you. And you know how you feel when you're done. Disgusting, shameful. That's not God, that's not how he thinks of you. That's your enemy. There is more going on. But God says, I will turn your weakness into strength. Have you asked God to help you stop? Have you asked God to change the way that you look at yourself? You can ask him today and he will begin helping you. Like that. He's not gonna wait. He'll help you today if you ask for it. Don't try and manage that on your own. It's powerful. It says they became strong in battle and they put whole armies to flight. You guys, we have a battle to fight. Look at this magazine cover that came out this spring. Is God dead? Was a couple uh, decades ago, and now is truth dead? That's just depressing to look at. Is truth dead? Why are they even having to ask that question? We have the truth right here in hand. It's inside of all of us. We need to start speaking out the truth in love and let people know the truth is alive and well, and it exists in Jesus Christ, who said, I am the way and the truth and the life. You've heard truth here this morning. Who are you going to tell? You're going to help Right that wrong. You have the power to do it right now. And it says that they brought people back from the dead. You guys, when it comes up to death, that dark obligation Ecclesiastes says that everyone has to face, you are either going to hell or heaven. There is no in between. When you die, hell or heaven, the way of Jesus or the way of the world. Look at this stat. This is Montgomery County. This is your school district's and the surrounding districts. There are 556,000 people in Montgomery County. There's four and a half million people in Harris County. Almost every one of us in this room live in one of those counties. And if you take the total of those two populations and multiply it by 13.2, which is the teenage population statistic, there are 385,973 teenagers, your peers. How many of them do you know that have no idea who Jesus is? that have never darkened the doorway of a church. You have the power to change that. Who are you gonna to invite to church this year? Who are you gonna pray for this year? Who are you gonna say, hey man, I had a Bible study on Wednesday with my small group. Do you wanna just sit down and talk about it with me? It's that simple. Hey, before we watch the game, um, can I pray for you with your, about your grandma? Like it's that easy. What are we gonna do about it? You guys, you can affect a lot of people. Our generation needs Jesus Christ more than we realize. Whose job is it to tell them about him? It's your job and mine. It's not theirs and it's not theirs. It's ours in this room. It's our responsibility. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the last thing Jesus said before he went to heaven. Jesus came and told his disciples, and in case you weren't curious, that's you, that's me. And he said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with every single one of you always, even to the end of time. You have nothing to be afraid of. You have nothing to be bashful about when you stand up for your faith because Jesus says, I am with you always, till the last day you do our breath. There is more to every single one of you in this room than meets the eye. There is more below the surface than you yourself understand about you yourself. You are greater than you think of yourself. And I'm challenging you as your pastor, this year, this week, be aware of your circumstances. Whatever hardship you come up against this year, I want you to look at it as an opportunity to stand up for what you believe. So, this has been a little bit of an in-your-face sermon. I want to close with something awesome. But as you watch the awesomeness of your peers, I don't want you to just look at it and say that's cool, but look at it from a spiritual perspective. All of these people that you're about to see, how many times did they fail or fall down or get hurt or break bones before they could do This. If you are coming at this sermon and listening to it and only thinking of your failures, your failures are what have made you into who you are today. And each of you are capable of more than what we're about to see. As cool as all of that was, you guys, there is more potential, there is more talent, there's more awesomeness in this room than in that entire video. I believe that with all my heart. You guys are capable of more. You're better than you know. The interesting thing they discovered about those head statues in Easter Island was that as they dug in and they were able to decipher some of the things written on them, they discovered that chiefs of little area tribes, they were the ones that commissioned those things to be built. And they built them because the bigger it was, the more status the chief had. They were building them essentially to say, look at what I can do. You guys, God is looking at you and he's saying, look at what my kid can do. Look at this daughter of mine and what she can do. Look at this son of mine and the man he is growing up to be. God is looking at you, and he is waiting for the opportunity for you to walk well through your trials and say, look at my son. Look at my daughter. I am so proud of them. Matthew 5, we're going to close with this, says, you, you, in this room, you, if you're hearing my voice, you are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. And no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp, my children, are placed on a stand to give light to everyone. In the same way, 2017, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. God has made each of you awesome in this time, in this season. So be your best self. Believe in Jesus. Believe who He says you are. Shine for Him. Point to Him in all you do this year. Believe in Him and in yourselves. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that we get to be your sons and your daughters. And there are people all around us that have no idea that they are your sons and your daughters, that we are family, that we are their brothers and their sisters. Would you help us? By word or deed, demonstrate, especially in the tough times, there's a God in heaven. He loves me. He loves you. Let me tell you about him. Let me demonstrate him to you. Let me share a passage with you. Let me pray for you. God, help us this year. Believe you more. Believe in ourselves more right now, I just ask just a blanket blessing on everyone in this room. Would you increase our faith this year? Help us believe more of how amazing you are, of how much you love us, how amazing we are, and how loved we are. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can respond up here in a second. As we kick off the new semester, I want to see if we can't restore something we haven't done well in a while, but I love when you guys get together and pray for each other. I would love to see this morning some pockets of you all around the room. Just pray for each other. Ask God, help me be a light in my house, in my relationship, in my school. Pray for each other. You guys respond as you feel led.